0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So I I love movies, and the other day I'm hanging out at my buddy's house, and we're watching the movie 300, and that's like the most epic guy movie. Uh, There's blood, there's gore, there's fighting, there's tension. Uh, I'm telling you, 300 is just one of those movies that every dude wants to watch. So uh, in 300, it tells a story about Leonidas who is coming up against a Persian uh, army, and all he's got is 300 elite soldiers. And he has to go into battle full force with three soldiers. And it reminded me of a story of the original 300. See, a lot of the stuff we watch on TV, whether it's movies and uh, uh, myths and all these things that we, we hear about, whether it's literature, uh, a lot of it can actually be traced back to biblical stories that were uh, found in the Bible of real people who did some really heroic events or just lived daily lives like us. And there's a story about a guy in scripture in the book of judges now I'll give you a little background on the book of judges judges uh, chronicles the time period in, in uh, the nation of Israel while they had no king it was between them being uh, released and rescued from slavery from hundreds and hundred years of slavery and them walking into the promise that God had promised their forefathers into this land that would be flourishing that would be prosperous for them in a place where they could uh, really settle down, set their roots, and experience the abundance of what God had for them. Now, uh, they didn't have a king, as said, but God would raise up judges. And these judges were like somewhat a ruler, uh, but most more so they were rescuers. They weren't kings. They were literally just God's agents. They were a regular people. They had strengths and weaknesses. I mean, these individuals were prideful, but they were also broken. Uh, they were fe- fearless and, and, and zealous, but they were also fearful. They were heroic and sometimes cowardice. They were human. They were you and I. And in this story that we're going to jump into, uh, it tells the story about how uh, the People that God had rescued from slavery and promised to give them everything that they needed so that they can prosper in life decided to break faith from God and decide to do their own thing. Anyone has that experience Well, you know God has blessed you? Maybe He's given you skills and talents, or God has given you an amazing family, or God has given you an amazing job, but for whatever reason, you keep tripping up and finding yourself falling short of all the abundance that God has done for you. So what happens here is God uh, just removes his hand of protection. He says, listen, I'm going to allow sin to happen like sin does. And I've heard this statement, and I love this statement because it says, we don't get punished for sin, we get punished by sin. See, God doesn't have to send a lightning bolt to strike you when you do something wrong. How many of you guys know that when you do something wrong, when you were young and you got in trouble, you got yourself in trouble. Your sin got you in trouble. Maybe you were old. Maybe you were older. Maybe you have experienced it in your adult age where you've walked off course and God didn't have to strike you down. God didn't have to uh, call lightning on you. God didn't have to pull judgment on you. Literally, the sin that enwrapped you, the lifestyle that enwrapped you, tore your life apart. And so God is just like, all right, listen, I'm just going to allow life to happen as life does when you're walking out of step with me. It tells us that the Israelites ended up being overpowered by their neighbors, the Midianites and Amalekites. And it actually says it here in Judges chapter 6, verses 3, it says, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, The Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east, their neighbors, would come up against them they would encamp against them and devour the produce of their land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. Imagine you plant your crops, you invest your time, you invest all your money, you, you pull everything out of savings to start a business, you blow up, you know, you hit the, you hit the lotto, the jackpot of uh, of success in business, and then somebody comes and takes it all the way. That's what's happening to them. It says the People would come with livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. They would literally pitch tents. They would come and, and set up shop in the Israelite land and take everything and consume everything. It says both they and their camels could not be counted, so they laid waste the land as they came in. This is what happens when we live out of step with God. Uh, sin creeps in, misfortune creeps in. It looks good for a while. We feel like we can do our own life and I'm, I'm grown and I can make my own decisions for a little while and then reality hits in and we get punished by sin and not necessarily for the sin. So at this point, Israel cries out to God, and they say, God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for walking away from our belief and our trust in you and trusting in ourselves. Can you please send us a rescuer? Get us out of the hands of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East. I don't know who the people of the East is, but they must have been a bad crew. They don't even have a name. It's just like, man, those people from the East, I don't know who they are. It reminds me of, in 300, um, those those individuals with the, with the face mask, just can't remember their name right now, but it was like them. There were these ghastly figures that we don't even know who they are. We don't know what they are. they just known as the people from the east. God save us from these individuals. This is where we meet Gideon. Gideon, though, like many of us, is comfortable playing small. See, uh, Gideon would rather stay comfortable than experience the fullness of God. Gideon is the type of guy who goes and works all day and then comes home and says, I don't want to deal with the kids. I don't want to deal with my wife. Just give me my bad beer and let me sit on the couch and watch TV with my feet up. Yeah, those guys usually drink bad beer. Um, uh, Gideon would rather let others step in where God is calling him to step up. How about you in your life? Or are you allowing other people to step in where God has called you to step up? But can I say, let's give Gideon a break here. Gideon has some valid reasons. I mean, Come on now, we've got the Midianites, the Malachites, and the people from the east coming after Israel. Why would we want to step up in that type of climate? The timing is just not right. There's the harvest is coming, and we're trying to salvage as much food as we can before these guys come and take it all. And and you know what? Maybe he's just the wrong man for the job. God, you're wrong. God, I know, I know, I know. I know you're calling me, God, but I'm just the wrong guy. I'm not built like that. You see, I'm built different. See, call the other people. Call uh, the Moseses. Call the the Pauls. Call these other awesome people in the Bible. Don't call me because I'm Gideon. I'm the wrong man for the job. Why? Because Gideon is comfortable playing small. And today, we'll discover how much alike Gideon we are we'll discover if we are playing small in our life. I think this text is going to be very revealing for many of us because God has called us to step up, but we would rather let others step in and take the back seat. We pick up the story in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. This is what it says in verses 11, it says, now the angel of the Lord, and as as you've heard me teach this, if you've heard me teach this before, whenever it says the angel of the Lord, it's actually talking about the pre-incarnate Christ, it's talking about the angel who is the Lord. So Jesus, before he was born uh, 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 of a virgin uh, on earth, this is uh, his, his deity in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, the forever living, ever loving savior of the world, pre-incarnate incarnate Christ, the God who created heavens and the earth, this is him who's showing up at the side of Gideon. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. This is an oak tree in Ophrah. I just wonder sometimes why, you know, I I love the literal translation and they use the word like terebinth, like you could have just said oak. Let's just be honest. It's it's an oak tree, right? Uh, Which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon, Was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon is hiding when he should be stepping up to take care of business for his country. He he is hiding out because he is afraid of the Midianite. And can I tell you something? This is the first lesson that we learn when you know you are playing small. You hide because you're afraid of actually having to show up. You're afraid because you're, uh, you're you're hide because you're afraid of actually having to show up. Gideon is threshing wheat, meaning he's separating the wheat from the chaff. I don't know how many farmers out there I'm not a farmer, but what I know, what I've read, what I've studied is you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. See, the wine press is is a place where you step on the grapes. They take all of the harvest of the grapes, and it's usually in a cellar-type area. There's walls up, and uh, people are stepping on the grapes, and there's uh, channels that lead to vats where the wine will go down there and ferment and, and become wine. And this is where Gideon is threshing wheat. And what does it mean to thresh wheat? Literally, there's this big basket that they, they, they put all the wheat on there and the wheat stocks or whatever it's called. I don't know. Again, I'm not a farmer. And they go and they throw the wheat up in the air and the chaff separates. The wind catches it and blows it away. The wheat falls, whatever wheat seeds or whatever they're called, and they fall and that's how they separate. That's how you thresh wheat. You're supposed to thresh wheat in open air. but Gideon is stuck in a wine press because he's so afraid about what's going on out there. He's so afraid of showing up and stepping up and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be stuck here in a hiding place, but I'm going to step up to an open place because I trust God, that God is with me because I know that I'm part of his community of faith. And so he's always told us he's with us, so I'm going to go out. But no, that's not where we find him. He's scared to wits of having to show up. He's scared to have to step up and defend the community of faith. He's scared to fight for the honor of the community. He's scared to do something. Now, I have to admit, uh, fear grips me too. Let me just be honest. I totally get it. Chances are, I love watching movies like 300, but if the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people from the east are showing up, I'm probably with Gideon in the wine press like, bro, I don't know what's going on out there, but I ain't trying to be out there. We're fearful. I don't know about you guys, but it's easy to allow fear to come in, and a lot of times uh we lie and we say that we're not scared, the timing is just not right. Uh, we say, we're not afraid, I just don't have uh, the right funds in the bank account. I- I'm not afraid, I just, my life is too busy right now. We don't show up because we're fearful of failure. Many of us are fearful of the unknown. I don't know what happens if I step out in this situation. I don't know if I go and, 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 and actually dive into this new project. I don't know what's going to happen ultimately If I show up, we don't show up because we're fearful of commitment. See, many of us aren't in a relationship right now because whenever we get into a relationship, we sabotage it because we're too afraid to commit. Many of us are happy showing up to church on Sunday and high-fiving people when we're walking in, sitting in the pews or the seats and walk. I went pews, man. That's old school right there. Showing up to church, sitting down and walking back out the door never volunteering to serve because we're so afraid that if we step up and say, I'm going to serve in this area, I'm going to step in this area, we're going to have to actually commit and show up. Many of us are too afraid to Uh, start a new business or pursue some educational uh, pursuits or maybe even develop a relationship, a connection with somebody who we've had a broken relationship with because we're afraid that it's going to commit us. And when push comes to shove, we are going to have to show up. See, commitment is uncomfortable because that means it's imperative that I am consistent. And many of us are too comfortable being inconsistent. We have made inconsistency our new norm. This is how you know when you're playing small. You hide because you're afraid of actually having to show up. We go on in verse 12. The angel of the Lord, the Lord responds to him. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. And given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord has forsaken us. He did this for everybody else, but he's not doing that for us. Lesson number two, if you are playing small, is you begin to compare your experience to how God is showing up for others. Man, let me tell you, if this is hitting home, go ahead and throw some hearts. Go ahead and type in the comments. Because I'm going to tell you what, I never preach a sermon that doesn't hit home first. I have lived this. I am the number one chief, uh, not proponent, but I'm the chief uh, 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 individual to compare my experience to how God shows up for other people. And what he's doing here is talking about the historical narrative. See, Gideon growing up would be told stories of how God showed up for the children of Israel when he rescued them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Uh, it talks about how he parted the Red Sea and how he routed their enemies, and he's hearing all of these amazing stories, but now he can't wrap his head around the fact that he's in a situation where uh, the enemies are coming after them, but God is not routing the enemies. God is not rescuing them seemingly, and he begins to say uh, they had it easier. God was on their side, you know, and we do it too. Other people have it easier. They've got more resources. They've got more time. They've got more space. They They've got more access to everything else. And can I tell you something? Comparison kills. How many of you guys have a dream of something that you want to accomplish in life? Go ahead and type it. Just say, I have a dream. We're going Martin Luther King, MLK on us right now. Do you have a dream? Maybe you have a dream to finish your PhD. Maybe you have a dream of actually going to college. Maybe you have a dream uh, to have a reconciled relationship with your children or reconciled relationship with a long-lost sibling or maybe with a parent. Maybe you have a dream to start a business. Maybe you have a dream to pursue ministry. Maybe you have a dream to just learn a new thing, a new skill, learn how to play the guitar. I've been wanting to play the guitar for the longest time. Do you have a dream? Who's got a dream? Can I tell you? Comparison kills. Because as soon as we take our eyes off of our dream and start taking our eyes on other people's successes and other people's breakthroughs, we start walking into breakdowns. We can never win if our eyes are stuck on the other team. We've got to be looking about what we're doing, how we're showing up, how we are absolutely called to do that thing that God has called us to do. And let's take our eyes off of other people. Listen, this is what Scripture tells us in Ephesians 2.10. For we were His workmanship, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For good works that he prepared beforehand that we should do. Yes, you have a dream. I have a dream. Ultimately, God has placed dreams inside of all of us. And if we keep our eyes looking at what everybody else is doing, we will never be able to achieve our dream. Because we'll stay stuck thinking ourselves as small. Gideon is being called upward yet he's taken his mind off of his call onto somebody else's journey. See, my son gets mad at (laughs) every opportunity that he doesn't get. Uh, on Sunday mornings my two older sons uh, always go with their mother because uh, they want to go help out my oldest son wants to serve on the serving team Uh, my middle son wants to hang out with his buddy whose parents are also serving that bring their kids and so my youngest my five-year-old who's about to turn six in a few days is getting upset all the time he says "Uh, Isaiah always gets to go with mom and uh, Elijah always gets to go with mom and I never get to do anything I don't ever get to go anywhere." and you don't let me do anything, which is not true because just the other day, I took a Kim out of all of the kids, took him to the store with me. He convinced me. Listen, this little dude hoodwinked me to get him a new Beyblade that he was supposed to get on his birthday. But he doesn't remember those things. He doesn't know how I come home and I've got a gift for him and I may not have the gift for the other kids. He doesn't know how I go and I'll I'll kiss him and and put him down to sleep and and he'll walk out of the bed and I'll be there to hold him and pray with him and uh, cuddle with him. But here's the deal. When everybody else is winning, it feels like God is telling us that we're not good enough. It feels like we're coming up against, uh, that God is coming up against to us. Listen, when when Gideon started complaining to the angel of the Lord that God showed up for everybody else but he didn't show up for them, it exposed Gideon's assumptions of God's apathy towards him and his people. And can I tell you something? When we refuse to show up where we're called to show up, we don't just expose what we think about ourselves, but we expose what we believe about God's perceived apathetic view towards us and our situation. Ultimately, we say that, God, I can't, I can't do that thing because you're more with that person than you are with me. God, uh, you are able to accomplish more in that, with that individual than you are able to accomplish with me. So you want to know if you're playing small, you begin to compare your experience to how God has shown up for others. It goes on in verse 14 and 15. The angel of the Lord responds to Gideon's uh, statement of an accusation towards God. He says, "And the Lord turned to him and said, to, and, and the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midianite. Do not I send you." And Gideon responds again. And he said, "My clan." Is the weakest in Manasseh. In fact, this is how he opens up. He says, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I am the weakest. I am the least. My clan is the weakest. I am the redheaded stepchild of my family. Nobody likes me. I am over here threshing wheat in a wine press. Can't you see me? Wah, wah, wah. Woe is me. Gideon is all about playing the victim card. This is the third lesson that we learn in determining whether we, like Gideon, are comfortable playing small we over exaggerate our limitation in current situation you over exaggerate your limitation and your current situation. You begin to uh, complain about how uh, things just don't work out the same for you as they work out for other people and how you don't have this and you don't have that and you can't do this and you can't do this. And and how many people have actually experienced the Lord come and audibly talk to them and ask them to do something? How many people were called mighty man of valor by God? See, give Gideon ignores all of these signs. He ignores God showing up to him. He ignores God telling him that he's a mighty man of valor. All he can do is over-exaggerate his limitations and his situation and stay in victimhood and in victim box and tell uh, the angel of the Lord that he can't show up because he's not good enough. He's never been good enough. His family's not good enough. His situation is not good enough. And can I tell you, we do it too. We do it too. What does it sound like when we do it? I'm the worst. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most talented. I'm so busy. I've got kids. I'm old. I'm not married. I'm alone. I've got no money. I don't have time. I'm not educated. I'm from a small town. Do these resonate with any of you guys? Let me know if they're resonating. Throw some hearts in there. I have no money. I don't have time. I've never had the opportunity. I'm black. I'm white. I'm fat. I'm an introvert. I've got a record. I've never done that. I've never been able to do that. Can I tell you something? Limiting beliefs are the number one hindrance to growth. experiencing God's abundance. Why? Because God has not created you to play small. So let me ask you this, why are you settling for less than the abundance that God has called you to? See, many of us are playing small in our life. Many of us are playing small in our faith. See, many of us are playing small in God's mission God has not called you to play small. God has called you to show up. I want to know, what would you do if you knew that God was on your side? If you could be guaranteed that God would be with you and he would not, Leave you to high and dry. How would you show up? Because, can I tell you, God has called every single one of those who put their faith in Him to step into the abundance of His favor. And we see that play out in Gideon's life. So, we're going to reread this text, but we're going to look at it from a different lens. Verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Bizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. See, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The angel showed up to Gideon and saw Gideon before Gideon even saw himself. Uh, The angel of the Lord had a mission for Gideon before uh, Gideon could understand uh, how to get himself out of that mess. And can I tell you, God sees more in you before you even see yourself. It says that God created us and knew us before that we were even born. From the foundations of this earth, God knew you and God had a mission for you and God had a plan for you and all you had to do is live out that plan and join him on this mission. God sees more in you before you even see yourself. Before you could even recognize who you were, God knew who you were called to be. So today, I want to remind you, God sees more in you before you even see yourself. Going on to verse 13 and 14, Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why did all this has happened to us? And were all this wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not God bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given listen to the hand of Midian, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. God didn't even uh, answer him. God didn't even respond to his whiny bull jive. Whoa, I almost said something on 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 screen. But yes, that's what we do. We bring our bull dive to God and try to give him all these excuses. And this is how God responds to him. Go in this mind of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Can I tell you something? God's mission for your life is not swayed by your view of yourself. You can cry, woe is me. You can talk about how you didn't have the right upbringing and you didn't have the family and you didn't have the resources and how you don't have things. Things work out good for you for like it works out for everybody else. Can I tell you, God's mission for your life is not swayed by your view of yourself. God showed up to Gideon, and he says, listen, you are a mighty man of valor. I see more in you than you see in yourself. Uh, I've got a mission for you. You are going to rescue Israel from the hand of Midian, and I'm going to stay committed to this plan. And how do we find out? Because uh, Gideon responds, and he said, please, Lord, how can I save? Israel, behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, for I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God's commitment to you is not dependent on your commitment to yourself. God's commitment to you is not dependent on your commitment to you. You may not want to show up for yourself. You may not be committed to yourself. But can I tell you, God is so committed to you. God is so committed to your purpose. God is so committed to your future. God is so committed to your abundance. And so can I tell you right now, God has not called you to play small. So why do you keep settling for less than the abundance that God has called for you? This story is very similar to where we find Jesus Christ in Scripture. God is calling uh, through Jesus Christ the disciples to go on mission for Jesus. Jesus knows that they're going to encounter a hard time. Jesus knows that they may not have the greatest resources. Jesus knows that they're going to be persecuted, that it's going to be a hard road, that it's going to feel like an uphill battle. But can I tell you, God's commitment to them was greater than their commitment to themselves. His mission for them would not be swayed by their view of themselves because God saw more in them than they saw in themselves. And this is what it says. in Matthew 28 19 he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold I am with you always until the end of the age and can I tell you this is the same promise that Jesus gives us this is the same promise that Jesus gives you and I God knows that our life is not going to be easy. God knows that we're going to encounter hurdles and we're going to encounter hiccups. But can I tell you, he reminds us that he is with us always. See, Jesus Christ showed up because he was teaching us how we could show up. Jesus' life was not easy. Jesus knew that he would be going to the cross. Jesus knew that he would be killed, but Jesus also knew that on the third day that he would rise, and because he rose, you can rise again. It doesn't matter what tries to hold you down. It doesn't matter about the gremlins in your mind. Through Jesus Christ, you can overcome playing small. Through Jesus Christ, you You can walk into the purpose God has called for you through Jesus Christ you can show up because scripture tells us for the good that we want to do is not us who do it but Christ who does it through us so ultimately you can say like Paul for it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives through me and the life that I live in the flesh is through and in Jesus Christ who showed up for me at the cross and showed up for me at the resurrection so I could show up in the newness of life, in the abundance of his favor, and I don't have to play small. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you for everybody watching. I pray for every individual who knows that they've been playing small in their life. I pray, God, that this message will be a message to fire them up, to step into the abundance of your favor. God, I pray that if there's sin in their life that's causing them to play small, if there's doubt in their life uh, that's causing them to play small, God, that they will release it right now. And so everybody who's watching, if you know you've been playing small, whether you've been living out of alignment with God's purpose for how you should live your life, or maybe you've lived in doubt or in fear of not being able to show up or not being good enough or not having the right resources, today, if you want to submit that all to Jesus Christ, so that Jesus' life that was showed up for you can empower you to be able to show up and where he's called you to. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, forgive me for living out of alignment with you. Today, I want to commit to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me for my sins, create in me a new heart, and then make me whole and teach me how to show up like you showed up for me. I accept this gift of new life, of new strength in you, Jesus. It is your name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, Join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.